Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Welcome to episode two of Walking with Freya. This is Annie, your host, and my voice is coming to you again from my closet. I forgot to mention in the first episode that the sweet guitar playing that you hear in the intro is my husband, who so graciously sat and let me record him for 15 minutes to get a sound bite. I think it's a catchy tune. I really like it. So I want to tell Freya's birth story in this episode, and I want to start by talking about my first daughter's birth briefly. I was 25. She was a home birth, born in the backyard in the hot tub. And yes, that was intentional. (laughs) We had two lovely midwives and two very dear friends to be there as part of the experience. I birthed Haven into mine and my husband's hands. And we brought her up out of the water. And it was a very lovely, beautiful birth. And it was how I new birth should be. And it was perfect. And I was lucky. So at 32, I found out I was pregnant again. And even though it was unexpected, unintentional, it can't be that unexpected when you're, you know, having sex without taking precaution (laughs) to not get pregnant. Um, But it was unintentional. But we were soaked. I was excited. Um, I did have a lot of fear right from the start. I remember, I remember realizing I was pregnant I was pretty, it was pretty early on, you know, when you, when your body's been pregnant and when you've given birth, I think your body, it knows what it's doing. So it was pretty early on when I, when I figured out I was pregnant and it was, I was drinking a cup of tea. I was sick and I was drinking the strong cup of, of medicinal tea. And I remember it kind of like burning the back of my throat and my mouth, which I had never done before. It was this very weird sensation. And I looked at the box and it said not to be used by pregnant women. So that was giving me an inkling me a little little nudge nudge hey uh what's going on and then a few days later there was this whole incident in my yard of the geese picking on a chicken and I kind of freaked out and I ran out there in the rain and the mud I was barefoot and it was muddy and there was chicken poop and I was crying and trying to whack at the geese with the stick and I totally mother hen this chicken got her safe and then I went to the bathroom and sobbed just a hard sob for about four or five minutes. And then I came back out and played backgammon with Andy, who fed me chocolate and looked at me questioningly. (laughs) And I think it was the next day that I took a pregnancy test and found out I was pregnant. So I was very excited. I was also fearful. I was worried about a miscarriage. Shortly thereafter, Fukushima happened. And so we were worried about radiation. At 14 weeks, my father had a very debilitating stroke which was devastating to our family. And I, I flew back home to be with, be with them for a little while. And 
So I worried about the stress of that. I got a bit of a reprieve for a while. And then at 30 weeks, I found out that the baby was breech, which is not really a huge deal at 30 weeks. There's still plenty of time for the baby to move into the right position. But it was just something to kind of feed into that anxiety and that fear I was having. So thus started seven and a half weeks of just doing anything I could I could read about, <laughs> anything that the research said might help, I did. I remember having a map of my uterus at one point uh, and trying to figure out the quadrants of where the baby's limbs were. I, I talked to the baby a lot. I made up a song. I don't remember the song anymore. I wish I'd recorded it, but I made up a song about needing to turn. I was doing yoga poses, some upside down, you know, my big pregnant body upside down against a wall. We had a piece of plywood in the living room that was up, leaning up against the couch. And I would lay on that three times a day for 20 minutes in this kind of slanted, you know, feet above my head kind of way with frozen peas on one end, trying to encourage the baby to shift from that end to this end. And I went to acupuncture. I took homeopathics. I ended up doing moxibustion, which is burning a moxa stick. I burned that over my right toe three times a day. And I went to the chiropractor. I tried everything. At one point at one of my prenatals with my midwife, they asked me what my biggest fear was. And I just started crying and said, that my biggest fear was having a cesarean. I realize now that that is a bit naive. There are, there are far worse things than having a cesarean. But at the time, that was my biggest fear, and that's what was driving this, this need to turn the baby because my midwives could not, do, could not legally do a breech birth, and none of the local hospitals could do, legally do a breech birth. So I was really, the closer it got to my due date, I was really looking at a cesarean. I had also read at one point that 3 to 4% of babies that were breached were that way because of a congenital malform- malformation. I think I had to look that word up at the time. I don't know, but that was information I tried to, tried to tuck away, tried to hide away, but it, it was creeping out as time was going on. The due date was drawing near, and the due date was... Her due date was November 11th, 2011. For you 11-11ers out there, that's 11-11-11. That's pretty amazing. So we did, the last ditch effort was to go into the birth center and have the baby turned. Like I said, my first birth was a home birth, natural home birth. And that's how I lived. That's how I raised my daughter. She was not vaccinated. I don't want any emails. Please, no emails about that, okay? that's what this podcast is about. When she was sick, I would treat her with herbs. I wouldn't take ibuprofen for a headache even. I mean, it was very, I tried to keep things as natural and organic as I could. So I remember as I'm pushing open the door to the birth center, my first thought is there is no way I could have my baby here. And for the record, that's no dig on the birth center. It's actually a very lovely place. I 16 and a half months after Freya was born, I gave birth to my third daughter in the birth center. And it was a lovely experience. But on this day, I thought, I can't have my baby here. 
So they hooked me up. I had to be on a fetal monitor. And I noticed that they were starting to ask me questions about, well, how often do you feel your baby move? How much have they been moving? What have you been eating? And the movement question kept coming up. And they kept checking the graph. And people kept coming in and looking at it. And then they had to do an ultrasound before they could turn the baby. And that's when they started saying, okay, something's not right here. My amniotic fluid was really low. The fetal monitor, however they were measuring, whatever it is they were measuring, I don't remember, but she wasn't doing well. She wasn't really moving. Her heart rate was was not good. The amniotic fluid was really low. And I remember my doctor, who, who was great, I really loved him, knew how much I wanted to have a home birth, or at least a vaginal birth. I remember him just kind of like tenderly rubbing my foot. He's standing at the end of the bed and he's telling us, it's not an emergency cesarean, but she needs to come out today. And this was at like 12.30, 1 o'clock, and it was scheduled for 3. So, and you know, that was my biggest fear right there. I was facing it. But when somebody is telling you that your baby is maybe not okay, what else do you do? You say, okay, let's do this. And you make the phone calls that you need to make. You know, you call your friends who are watching your, your daughter and waiting for you at the Mexican restaurant because naively you thought you'd go in, do a quick little baby inversion, and then go out to lunch. So you call them and you tell them, can you keep Haven for a while? Because I'm going to have a baby. We called the midwives. We called our moms. And and we got kind of excited, too, because we were going to meet our baby. That's that's a very exciting moment. So we were looking forward to it. In hindsight, I realized it was good that it was uh, kind of so sudden. It helped with my anxiety about the whole thing. I was just kind of in this state of shock. And in this state of like, something's wrong with my baby, we got to do this. Let's get in there and let's do this. And I remember talking to the nurse and I remember telling him that I had had panic attacks before and that I was worried that I was going to get in there and have a panic attack. And, and if that ever happened, <laughs> and he said, I remember, he said, oh, it happens all the time, <laughs> which which is not necessarily something that you want to hear, but I get what he was trying to say. What he was saying was that we got this. We know what we're doing. Have your anxiety. We can deal with this. I think at one point he even said, there are drugs to deal with that. So the whole situation was, it was such a different experience than I, than I had ever, than anything I'd ever been through. So, you know, I'm sitting there in the OR got my hands on the nurse's shoulders. He's telling me about going to see Led Zeppelin in the past because they were playing on the speaker and they're sticking this giant needle in my spine. And it's a very surreal, very, very surreal experience when your body starts going numb. I don't need to get into the details of the cesarean. The important part was they they had called in a pediatrician to be there for the birth because they were concerned. I don't know that I caught on to this quite at the time. I 
I guess I assumed maybe the pediatrician was always there. I wasn't really sure. I was a little high on morphine, was what it was. <clears throat> and so they they performed the surgery. They brought they brought Freya out of my womb, and there was no crying. And they took her over, and I remember just hearing some mutterings, some talkings. Nothing was too. Nothing sounded really alarming. Nobody was really alarmed, but they were, they were working on, you know, they were expecting certain things and she wasn't quite meeting those expectations, but something must have happened. I don't remember if she cried or not, but something must have happened. They felt safe enough to wrap her up and bring her over to me. At this point, she had not opened her eyes yet. And they laid her down next to me. She was all bundled up and they laid her little face right next to mine. And as I said, what it is that mothers say when they meet their baby for the first time, you know, some high pitched cooing, like, oh, my baby. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you guys say to your babies when you meet them for the first time, but that I've, I've done it three times and that seems to be where I go. But as soon as she heard my voice, she opened her eyes for the first time. I held on to that for so long. I remember when saying something about her opening her eyes, or maybe Andy mentioned it, and just the relief in the room when, when she had opened her eyes. And I remember just feeling so lucky and so special that I got to be the one that got her to open her eyes. And I held on to that. I maybe did not get to experience, I mean, I wasn't even in labor. I never got to feel my womb contract around her little body. I never had any urge to push. I didn't. maybe didn't get to reach my hand down my hands down to her and pull her up to my chest. I didn't get to experience any of those beautiful, wonderful moments of childbirth. But I was the one that got to see her eyes for the first time. And that's, that's my story of Freya's birth. I was originally going to tell the part of her her birth, and then the period of time up until her diagnosis in this episode, but it ended up being about 45 minutes, and I don't want to listen to myself for 45 minutes. I can't imagine you guys want to listen to me for 45 minutes, <laughs> so I want to break it up. So this is a story of her birth. Episode three is going to be, I think, what I'm going to call the time between, which is going to be the time between giving birth to a baby who obviously is struggling and then getting the diagnosis. Those three and a half months were a very intense time. So for now, I'm going to put the call out for birth stories. Was your birth similar? Was it very different? Did you, 
did you know in your pregnancy that you were going to give birth to a child with special needs? I'd love to hear those stories. Did you also have a home birth or serene vaginal birth in mind and end up on an operating table, not able to move your limbs high on morphine and wondering how in the hell you got here? I love birth stories. So please, my email, walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. Send me your story. Send me an inquiry. Get in touch with me. Let me know if you want to share your story, and I will help you figure out the best way to share that story. Also, the Facebook group, Walking with Freya. You can come on there and get in touch with me that way or get in touch with hopefully a growing community. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and listening to this part of our journey. And I look forward to hearing about your journeys as well.